0: Welcome to The Moon in Your Mind with your hosts Chelsea Winter and Alyssa Ray. We are on a mission to build a community of empowered individuals to stay curious in their work, their relationships, and daily lives.
1: By interviewing experts in Uniting Astrology and Psychology, we will hold the space to connect you to new wisdom, unique stories, and insightful resources for you to cultivate your best human experience. Let's get curious. you guys this was such a beautiful episode Christina is so wise so fierce and gentle at the same time her wisdoms her words they're so inspiring and so needed at this time especially if you identify as a woman this episode is for you we're dedicating it to you and we hope you enjoy you guys we are so excited to share with you our newest offering the Cosmic Consulting Program. We're combining Chelsea's wisdom of astrology and my background in somatic psychology to support you in finding more authentic alignment and embodiment in your life. As your Cosmic Consultants, we will provide you with a juicy natal chart reading, a consultation session with both Chelsea and myself, as well as a nourishing somatic coaching session with me. And if you want to go even deeper, we're offering two add-ons that you can choose from a personalized journal, or a personalized meditation crafted by Chelsea and myself based on your chart, consultation, and coaching session to continue diving deeper into the work. Or you can choose both. Ready to begin? Shoot me an email at at alissaatthemooninyourmind.com and we'll schedule a consult. We can't wait to support you on your journey. Hello, humans! Today we are joined by Christina Louise, Boss Babe and Wild Woman. Christina guides women to transcend fear, level up, and achieve their deepest desires by awakening their primal feminine energy. She has a degree in psychology, specializing in female trauma, and is a certified coach and mentor. Christina is curious about finding deeper connections and bridging the gap between science and spirituality and understanding the multidimensional nature of the female experience. So
2: excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to get into this. Yeah,
0: we're so excited. And so we want to start definitely with your chart. So you're a Pisces sun and then a Libra moon and rising, which is awesome. And so, you know, I definitely want to hear about how that showed up for you as you were growing up. I mean, Pisces, it's all about, you know, the invisible world, emerging energies, expanding your consciousness and others, you know, very creative, also like very empathetic. So I'm wondering, and with the Libra, I wonder, you know, working with other people is probably <laughs> makes a lot of sense for you, right? And was that something you were like always drawn to?
2: So I think I don't necessarily want to say that I was drawn to it, but I just had this sensitivity that I spent a lot of time feeling wrong wrongful, feeling like there was something wrong with me because I would feel everything so deeply. Mm-hmm. And so in my childhood with, I mean, I had beautiful parents and everything, but, but not necessarily understanding or knowing the stars and how they affect us. There was sometimes just not the right was, I think. So it was like, oh, you're so dramatic. You're so sensitive. And that used to be, because it's taken me a really, really long time to actually reclaim that sensitivity as that's my like that's my can I swear? Am yes, I allowed to absolutely. swear? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> like that's my fucking superpower. And from that sensitivity and empathy, I think comes everything else. So it's it's definitely the foundation, but it's also um, one of the things that I have to keep in check because I, I really feel everybody else's emotions and so that has been a really big part of my journey is to to figure out what's my shit and what's everybody else's shit Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. and so what does that look like for you how do you set those boundaries and what I think you said keep yourself in check
2: (laughs) (laughs) um so I had this really beautiful experience when was that like like 2017 I guess where I had something happen to me that happened a lot throughout my life. Like I would be, I was walking to the office, I was like listening to music. I was really just feeling so good and such a beautiful energy. And this is before I really knew much about any of this block. I didn't really know about energies and all that stuff. And I walk into the office and like within five, 10 minutes, I just felt my energy drain. And so I remember speaking to a colleague about it and he was like, oh, but that's obvious. It's because you're an empath. And so that was like, oh, I just remember things falling into place for me because I'd had that experience happen my whole life. And I used to think that it was me. I used to really think that something was wrong with me because I thought those were my emotions. So that's something that I come back to a lot when I start to feel like, oh, I'm in some kind of context where I'm feeling icky. That's the best way Mm -hmm. I can describe it. I'm feeling icky in the body. Now I know what that means. It's taken like almost 30 years, (laughs) but I'm here and I, I understand that. So I think more than anything, there's like some practices that I use sort of to move through, but really more than anything, it's that taking a breath, leaning back, realizing, oh, wait, that thing's happening where I'm now because I'm a Pisces because it's like water it's fluid and and a lot of the time I get excited right I'm in conversations with people I'm I'm here for it until suddenly I realize I need to just rein it back a little bit because it's all getting a little bit blurry so that connection with self is what I really spend a lot of time even now cultivating and and taking space to Mm -hmm. be and to process when I need that
0: Mm mm-hmm Yeah. And I feel like it's just something that I think Alyssa and I have dealt with at certain points in our life. And I'm sure our audience too is just taking on everyone else's feelings. And I think, especially when you work with other people in the way that we do, it's so important to like create those boundaries, set those intentions, you know, to say, like, okay, even though I'm working with this person in such a deep way and such an emotional way that their feelings are there and my feelings are mine, and being able to separate the two can be very difficult. (laughs)
2: Yeah, and it's it's because, I mean, this is my work, sure, but it's also like my life's mission. It's my passion. It's what lights me up and what I can talk about all day, every day. And so I feel, not only do I feel deeply for the people that I work with and I feel their pain, but I also feel like, let's hit this wall, let's knock it down, let's push through, let's go, because I can see that when I rise you rise, we all rise. It's like we're giving each other permission, right? So it's it can be really all-consuming because I am passionate about what I do, but also just as an individual, I get really excited, right? So one of the things that I've learned is to not take clients that aren't 100% aligned. And that sounds mm-hmm. really simple, really obvious. But when you're starting out, like I, I remember I used to just take anyone and everyone and I would leave sessions that was supposed to be one hour and they were two hours plus. And I was so exhausted. And I had like three more sessions booked. And that just, I did that for a couple of years. And then I realized like my body was literally screaming at me like, dude, you cannot keep doing this. Wow. So how did you start to decipher that? Like, how
1: did you kind of sift through your clientele and, and know like who was aligned and
2: who wasn't, like if, even if they were a new client coming to you? So it's really the energy I think that people bring. And if I find myself in any way pushing or convincing or feeling like I have to overextend to convince someone to work with me, it's already a no because I don't... And I'm not like... There are a lot of different ways of doing this, but when it comes to sales, what I've realized is just then that will never work because I will always be thinking they didn't fully choose me. And so I have to over deliver Mm -hmm. rather than when people come and we feel aligned and the expectation is the same, right? So then I I trust my work (laughs) because I know it works, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure you've come across that as well, right? When you sell it so hard, like you really feel like you have to deliver on a whole other level. So, So yeah, I really try to lean back which has been a process as well to learn, to just say, you know, people will come to me based on what I'm putting out there. And am I going to be for everybody? Absolutely not, but that's okay. And that's been a really big shift for me, especially this year. I've kind of committed to to bringing my business online and showing up, especially on social media, which was something that I had so much resistance towards before because I was like oh, fake, it's like flex, flex. it's all... Not in line with the authentic creation that I want to birth into this world, right? Like, and so coming onto social media, I've had to kind of recheck myself again in terms of what am I doing, what am I selling, what am I saying. More than anything, and yeah, there will be people who who think it's too much or who get tired of listening to, it, and that's totally fine. Like, I really have come to that place now of of being okay with that, which is as a Piscean human design projector, people pleaser, that has been, that has been a journey. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know it's something again, like Alyssa, I have talked about, we've talked to multiple guests about it, like showing up on social media, doing social media. And how do you find that authentic way of showing up in a way that doesn't feel icky to ourselves or, you know, just trying to find that balance, I guess, of like the overly salesy marketing in your face, bright, colorful, like just trying to grab a second of attention for actually like bringing value.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's happening more and more. Like people are beginning to realize that you can use social media for good if you rethink the way that you do it and perhaps the way that you've been taught to do it, right? Like we've grown up in a time when, I mean, I remember a time when there wasn't social media, but certainly for like the most part of my formative, like young adult adult life, social media has been ever present. And so the way that I used to go about using social media is very different from what I do now. And actually part of my journey as well was to get rid of my old platform and start from scratch because I felt like I wasn't, I didn't feel safe speaking to what I actually wanted to speak to, because as I'm sure that you've experienced as well, whatever type of healing journey you're on, it's an evolution, right? And so the stuff that you wanted to talk about maybe two years ago might be radically different from who you are and what you want to, what you want to use your voice to say today. And I was feeling that I, I was holding back on sharing what I actually really wanted to, passionately wanted to talk about because I was worried what my friends and the people that I had around me were going to think. And so that was a big shift of getting off social media for probably about a year and then coming back on late last year, but really is sort of fully focusing on it this year. And it's just been so beautiful to connect with people all over the world who are doing similar work and where you just find that resonance and that. You don't even have to try to explain what you're doing because people get it. And that's been such a gift for me. And I mean, that's why I'm here chatting to you today <laughs> because of social media. Hmm.
1: Yeah, well, I love and that. I think too, you know, especially with like Instagram and TikTok and like whatever platforms people use, it can represent different parts of us and different chapters of us in different ways in different areas. Like last year, this is like, somewhat different but my personal Instagram got hacked and so I lost everything and lost like all these pictures and and all of my like community and whatnot but it honestly felt so refreshing it's like cool I get to press a restart button on this like I don't have to worry about things from the past or people that like I don't necessarily want to stay in community with but I just felt like I had to because we're connected in that space and I think do I have like my professional Instagram account too and I get to show up as like the parts of me that maybe aren't always present with like my family and friends and that's okay, right? Like I think we can hold all of that, but keep some of it secret for ourselves and for the communities that really align with it. Kind of like you said, with your clients, it's like not everyone's going to be aligned with that and that's okay, right? Like we don't need to force it on someone, but we also don't need to hide it either. So we can have that access to community in a different way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And something that I, I was actually reflecting on just a few days ago was this idea that when we come forth to speak to some kind of wounding, some kind of trauma, or trigger that we are experiencing now or in the past, we have the choice to speak up about that in a trusting relationship or a trusting relation. But, and this is the key that I was like, wow, that's such a profound realization is that we also have the power to say, now I'm done sharing, I want to walk away and setting that boundary because it's, it's like consent, right? It's not, it's, it's there until it's not. And so that's something that just kind of meditating on the idea that we can come and go out of social interactions as we need. And that the people who love us and who vibe with us will not only be okay with that, but they'll actually respect us for that. And Practicing, I mean, that's self care, right? It's like most basic, it's radical self care. And love for self is saying, well, this is what I need right now. And because I'm able to do that, I'm also able to show up for you when you need me to, whether that's with family, friends, with a client. Again, when you have these really intense containers. So, my signature container is a 12 week, really in depth mentorship container. And I have very few clients at a time. So it does get, you know, you really get into the nitty gritty and it's over a relatively long period of time. And of course, because I like that, I want to be, I always say to my clients, I, I cannot do it for you, but I can be there with you all the way. Like right or die. Mm-hmm. That's me. So you're doing the work, but I'm 100% there. I'm cheerleading you on when you have a wobble, because that's the beauty of creating that space for people to go in and really do self-reflection but sometimes that also means that the lines can get a little blurry right and so again it's it's just I think the more we are okay with ourselves and our space and how we're showing up the easier it is to discern when am I giving enough and when am I giving too much
1: mm-hmm.
2: I think yeah yeah like boundaries, right?
1: Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. How do we set boundaries with ourselves, with others, with our clients, with our family? And that, like you said, it makes the container safe. It makes it okay to exist where you know that you're being respected and you know know that you're respecting other people too, because you can show up fully as yourself. And I think especially as women, we have been told to not have boundaries for generations and generations. And that's I'm sure part of the healing work that you do with your clients as well. So I'd love for you to speak on that if you can. And and I'd love to hear more about these containers that you've created.
2: Yeah. Thank you. I love (laughs) I love when people ask that question because that is like, okay, now I really get to get into it. (laughs) (laughs) So this is again based on the experiences that I've had as a woman growing up as a child i was the sensitive child very different all of that stuff and i guess oh, i have always had a curiosity towards the human mind and i've always been seeking i've always been cur- like extremely curious like my my mom always says when i was a child and we went for walks i would always have to just see what was over there you know just see around the corner just turn that stone and it's like it's a it's an ongoing joke in my family that Christina has to just turn every stone <laughs> but that curiosity has always been there and then going through really some traumatic experiences in particularly my early 20s when I guess it's when you're really beginning to come into adulthood or what it means to be a person in the world. Like what do you want? What are your desires? What kind of life do you want to create for yourself? And that was really hard. Like that was a really hard time for me because I'd never really asked those questions before. I'd just gone and done what everybody wanted me to do. And when you are that people pleaser I think a lot of especially women are, because as you say, that's what we've been taught is safe. It's really easy to just go along with that. And Say to yourself, Well, everybody else seems happy, so this must be right. So when you start to stop and question that, it's like, oh, hell breaks loose, right? <laughs> people people don't suddenly know what box to put you in. And so navigating all of that, it was a really lonely time for me, a really scary time for me. When then I eventually started to do the healing work and then seeing a bit of the light and then going back and forth, it's like one step forth and four steps back, mm-hmm. <laughs> not linear. But coming out on the other side, it was, I realized that, okay, what I'd gone through, so many other women that I was speaking to were going through similar things. And I thought, well, if we're all going through it, why are we going through it alone? Why are we feeling so isolated and disconnected? Why don't we have community? Why are we not talking about these things? And so the question that I guess I started to have was, at what point did women become the weaker sex? at what point did we become second-tier citizens? You know, I'm putting it really kind of out there, but when you look back, history, religion, it's always been the same. But in my mind, I was like, well, it can't have been like that since day one of like one little fish climbing up on land and, you know, evolution happening, right? Like at what point did that happen? And so I really dug into that when I went to do my uh, graduate degree in psychology. And I dug into that experience of being a woman throughout time, really, or at least through the many last many millennia. And so there's this phenomenon within psychology, which is collective trauma, which is essentially when a big group of people have shared some type of traumatic experience. So the Holocaust comes to mind. That's something that a lot of research has been done on ethnic cleansing, slavery, some of these really big events in history have been really well studied and they show that the actual DNA of the descendants of these people is physically different, which means that the way that we handle stress, anxiety, trauma, there's a higher propensity, right? So anyway, my thinking was, well, let's say the Holocaust, that's a really, like that was a horrible, absolutely unfathomably atrocious event but it was a pretty short period of time historically speaking (laughs) and if that's had such an impact on people's DNA like what has it done to the female sense of self that for literally thousands of years we've been you know beaten, burnt, silenced, deraped and so on and nobody's really talking about that so there are people who are talking about the witch wound and the mother wound and all sort of expressions of this thing but nobody seemed to from like a sober psychologically like literature wise nobody was looking at it nobody was doing research around this none of the big journals were publishing anything on it so of course I thought well (laughs) I'm gonna go and discover (laughs) and do the exploration because somebody needs to and so that's that's really in a really long way the foundation of the work that I do now so having that background in trauma specifically female collective trauma and then doing a few years of working in the trauma field to then realize that what i really interested in is that space when we come out of trauma when we have processed the real like the dark stuff the sort of survival stuff and now we are on a healing path there's so much room for growth it's still rocky there's still ups and downs as good and bad days but by and large we're over the first hurdle because we have awareness right that's when we can begin to look at not only changing our today and tomorrow but changing the trajectory of our lives and there's there's a lot of juice in that post-traumatic growth stage so yeah that's that's the foundation theoretically put very shortly (laughs) But yeah, so what I'm interested in is combining that really theoretical research part with how do we actually apply that, right? So what does this healing look like, and how does it affect us every single day? Because if you tell a woman like, "Oh, I think you have collective female trauma," they're gonna go, "What? No, like, that's a big, that's a, <laughs> that's a lot of, that's a big label to be throwing around." But if you say, "Well, have you ever experienced imposter syndrome?" Are you a chronic people pleaser? Do you have a problem speaking your voice? Are you ashamed of your body? Do you struggle to ask for what you want? Are you shameful around your desires? Then people are like, oh, yeah, actually, that's me to a T. And that's from that place, you can begin to look at healing from a place of We're not going to go back and look at all the trauma. Like we need to understand the trauma because that's the the foundation. But once we do that, then we can really start to look forward. That
1: is beautiful. And we need to just like have you everywhere around the world for all females (laughs) to work with. I studied marriage and family therapy in graduate school, so uh, it's similar. But I love your focus on like strictly feminine collective trauma. Yeah, we talk about it with like genograms and intergenerational trauma and how things are passed down from your parents to your children, right? And kind of generation to generation. And I don't think, especially as modern humans and modern women too, we forget that. I don't want to say everyone, but a big portion forgets that that matters, right? And that's still a part of us and that's still playing out in us. And even though it may not have stemmed from us, it's ours to heal, right? And that's the unfortunate reality of it. But we're not just doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for so many other people and, and women and future generations. And that's such a beautiful thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's back. It's We're doing it for us, but we're doing it for our daughters as well. Mm-hmm. And we're doing it for all the women that came before us that are kind of standing on our shoulders, right? Because or we're standing on their shoulders because they couldn't do it. And it's it's still a reality for many women around the world today. It's not just a thing of the past. So I do feel some kind of responsibility because I was born in the privileged, it really to do with where I was born, right? Because I was born in Europe and I have had all these opportunities. That's something that, is a big part of not just my work now, but what I hope to do is to broaden it up and, and really create a community that is much more than just me working one-to-one <laughs> with someone, but actually kind of letting it ripple out. Because I, I really believe that every time one woman rises and feels into some of all of the things that she hasn't felt allowed to before, she gives other women permission to do the same. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that stems out of
1: like advocacy work too, right? Because like you said, there's so, so much happening around the globe right now against women and to women. And, you know, part of when we are born into a privileged place is to not just do that healing, but advocate for those who can't have a voice and can't do that work right now. And I'm wondering, you know, if you ever come across individuals or work with individuals to kind of combat that and, and do that kind of work as well.
2: Yeah, so the first couple of years after I graduated, I was working for an NGO in the UK, the national NGO, mostly around domestic abuse, but specifically ending violence against women and girls. And so I was in a two-part capacity, both as a coach working with severe trauma, right? Like some of these women were uh, coming straight into refuge, were having to flee with their children you know so so really really hardcore life and death situations but a big part of that was also the advocacy and the awareness around what abuse is so abuse is just one type of trauma right but again it's perpetuated and it is gender-based and so this was during COVID predominantly and that's when I think the general population got more of a sense of what domestic abuse is because it's not just a black eye it's not just a broken rib or a busted lip it's those are the easy signs to spot and those are the ones that most of us we know if somebody punches us we know the moment skin touches skin right but if you are in an emotionally abusive relationship and this is what working with thousands of clients have told me that the physical stuff is scary right when it's happening but the emotional stuff the gaslighting that's so much more insidious because you don't know it's happening. And that's the whole point. And so I think there are there are interesting parallels to be drawn between the very present day abuse that women are suffering and then some of these dynamics. Because again, and I'm not saying that there aren't men who are experiencing this because there absolutely are, but again, it is a it is a gender-based issue. And so again, and I'm aware that I'm biased, but this sort of speaks into my thesis of, well, why is it again that we find ourselves in a situation where it's so heavily skewed that women are experiencing this type of violence, right? So it's something that I will probably never stop talking about, (laughs) but I, I think the more we empower women to heal themselves, they automatically become advocates. Not just for themselves, but for everyone around them and sh- and show their sisters, their mothers, their daughters that there is another way.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I love that. you should like quote that and post it everywhere.
1: <laughs> the <laughs> moment we empower women, we create advocates, right? Like we it's so true. And you know, taking back our autonomy, taking back our powers is, is such an important piece of driving ourselves forward. And thank you for doing that work. It's, you know, that's heavy work to be doing. And, and I'm wondering, you know, when you were and working at the NGO, how did you take care of yourself in that? Because I can only imagine like going home at the end of the day must have felt hard and heavy.
2: Yeah, it was. Um, I'm so grateful. So I, I finished grad school and I wanted field experience and I definitely got my share in some. I did it for two and something years and it was extremely hard coming back to the whole empathy, sensitivity piece, it was something that I would not have been able to do for a decade and not without some severe uh, consequences. So I did leave because I felt that the burnout was, was becoming overwhelming. And I suppose one of the issues as well is when you work in the space, you're kind of up against the system in a way that I found really difficult because sometimes it feels so hopeless and you have these women who are looking to you because there's nobody else right like mental health is totally overwhelmed the whole thing se- and again this was during covid so there really was nobody else and when you are then the one person who listens people cling to that and it's it's really hard to say to someone look I know you're having the worst day of your life but it's 5 p.m. and I'm actually off now you know I was not able to do that and Sometimes looking back, I think if I'd been better at being very clear, I could have gone on longer and helped more people. So it's almost like sometimes you have to be a little bit tough with those boundaries because then there's more longevity, right? (laughs) But at the same time, it's definitely taught me a lot around setting boundaries with clients and not taking on other people's stuff, right? That's something that's so easy to do. And now, and that's why I say, I'm your ride and die. I will go there with you. I'll go to the deepest, darkest places. I'm not afraid of it because I've been there, girl. Like I've seen it. There's nothing you can tell me that I haven't seen or experienced myself, but I will not carry you. I will not do the work for you because not only is that not good for me, but it's not empowering for you if I do this for you, right? Like we have to walk that gauntlet. that we all have to do that work. And then we can come together and do, Healing at another level in community, but you know, nobody can substitute, nobody can do it for you. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I think with the boundaries piece too, it's modeling for the the woman, right? Like, how do you set boundaries? Like, I'm doing it for me, and, and you're on the receiving end, sure, but you can do that for yourself too, right? And so, obviously, in certain settings, it's a little bit easier and a little bit harder, but yeah, I think it's so important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you were saying about how, like, you're not going to do the work for them. You know, I think people who get into this space and the healing space, working with other people, you know, we're here to help people. You know, that's why we're doing it. And it, I think in the very beginning, it can be so easy to start to take that on because you're like, well, this helps them. This, I'm taking some of the burden off of them. But right. Like you said, at the end of the day, you know, you get burnt out and you needed to go home at five o'clock and you had your own life and your own healing to do. Like, and you can't, unfortunately, like you want to be able to help them, but there's different ways. But I think it's so easy in the beginning as you're learning to just kind of take it on because you don't really know any different.
2: Yeah. And you think, oh, it'll be okay. And to start with, it is okay because you're all like, bright-eyed and fresh-faced and you feel like you can handle all of it because you've done all the studying and you know this stuff and you're a specialist in trauma but little upon little it whittles away at you and then by the time you realize and I think there is definitely such a thing as I don't actually know if this is a thing but to me it, it really is it's like ethical burnout because you don't feel like you can say no because it's like well of all, well, who am I? Like some spoiled bitch to just sit here and say, oh, I can't handle your stuff. It's And also, if I say no, or if I assert my boundary, or if I set pricing that reflects the work that I do, all these things that I know a lot of entrepreneurs, especially female entrepreneurs in the space are struggling with, then they're going to think I'm just in it for the money, or they're going to think that I have the wrong motivation. But actually it's so basic, (laughs) but like when you're on a plane and they do the safety announcement, that's the first thing they tell you, like put your own mask on first and then you can help your kid. It's your kid, right? But still you have to put your own mask on first and that can look like different things. But I think the basics are that you need to know your boundaries. You need to, it's so cliche. Everybody's talking about like charging your worth, but if you're doing this really important work and you're not charging, your worth. It's not about like what you're worth. It's about what you need to be able to do that work. And if you're charging, I don't know, 20 bucks an hour, you have to do so many sessions to be able to pay the bills that you're not going to be good to anyone, not, and especially not yourself because something's got to give. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you said it's a cliche. Sometimes things are a cliche
0: for a reason. (laughs) Because they're true, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's so true.
1: And I think too, like, it's an energy exchange, like charging the money or, or whatever it is. Like, it's an exchange of energy. So, holding that container for people, it's important to kind of be the recipient of the energy too. Like you said, you know, it's kind of the both and.
2: Yeah. And what I found, which is what they tell you, but I think you have to experience it for yourself to fully believe it. Like, you could give the exact same container to two people, one for free and one for the full price. And I can almost guarantee you that the person who's paying the full price is going to get so much more out of it because they're committed. They have skin in the game. And I, I remember when I first started my business, I was like giving away stuff for free and wanting to just serve. And people weren't taking it seriously because if it's free, automatically I think we have a tendency to just discount it as, oh, it's probably not very good. But also it's hard work. Right, you have to show up for yourself, and that's hard. And some days you don't feel like it. And if you've paid three grand, you're more likely to show up because you've got that skin in the game. Whereas if it's for free, then eh, whatever, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And even you know, thinking of like paying up front, or like in America, the whole insurance stuff. Like I see clients at one company for like an insurance-based fee, and, and the ones whose insurance cover it all. They're the ones to no-show me. They're the ones to be late to sessions. They're the ones to cancel without rescheduling. But the ones who actually have copies and have to pay a decent amount—they're the ones who are actually doing the work. Like it's so true. I think everywhere, and it's—you know—again, you know again you we work hard for our money, and you want to—to make it last, and. Yeah, I just think it's it's your time, it's your commitment, and it's it's worth being paid right for. And it's also spiritual practice at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? Even like the paying and the receiving, and I think it's important to kind of have that balanced out as well. But that also brings me to another question of how do you bridge like spirituality into the work that you do? Obviously, most people recognize it as part of everything, right? Like spirit is everywhere and spirituality is everywhere. But for those who maybe don't necessarily have spiritual practices or faiths, like how do
2: you incorporate that into your work too? Mm, I love that. I think I do that by showing up authentically as I am. I'm a spiritual person some days more than others. Like some days I feel super spiritual and some days I feel like watching some stupid show on Netflix (laughs) and just being in that. Like I'm a big believer in, moderation with everything so whatever you need in that moment to make you feel good as long as it's healthy and not harmful to yourself or somebody else mm-hmm. right so trying to be human about it and and also this is me some days I'm spiritual some days I'm not that's why in my bio I'm I'm a wild woman but I'm also a boss babe and that's something that really describes the two sides of me like some days I just want to run around naked in nature and be wild and have no attachments to anything earthly. And other days I'm like, right, let's get this business going. Let's write a plan. Let's have a strategy. And I love weaving those together, but that's taken me the most part of my life to figure out that both sides are right. Like there's no wrong side. And this is actually something that I speak to a lot at the moment. It's like working with different archetypal energies, because for me, that's been such a gift in a way of understanding what was going on inside of me that I didn't really have words for. Because again, as a woman, there are so many aspects or facets that we're not really invited to bring in, right? Like the mother and maiden, great. But the wild woman, the dark goddess, the medicine woman, the, all of this stuff, its ooh, <laughs> it's not so popular in general, right? So learning to Vibe with those different energies when they come in has been probably one of the biggest shifts in my journey, and as a result, I can mirror. I think what's going on in someone across from me. So if I sense that someone is coming in and they're they're extremely, I mean, really most clients that I see are spiritual, <laughs> but every now and then there's someone who's maybe ready to dip a toe. Then I'm I'm more discerning about the language that I use because. Whether you want to call it positive mindset, law of attraction, or something else, it doesn't really matter what label, as long as that resonates with the person in front of you. So I th- I think really this, the, the empathy piece helps because I can read the sort of person that I'm across from. And that is what keeps it interesting as well, because if everybody was a carbon copy, <laughs> this work would get repetitive real quick. but. Nobody is. Literally nobody is the same. Nobody has the same experiences. And so that's a kind of a dance as well that you do. Because some days, like if you're in a 12 week container, you're not going to sit and talk about spirit for 12 weeks, not with me anyway, but it is going to come in at times where it's appropriate. And then sometimes there might be a whole session where we're talking about like hardcore breakthrough strategy. But at the end of the day, if you have some type of faith or belief in something bigger than you, the work becomes easier because, I mean, that's a fact that's backed by science that those who have some type of belief in higher power, whatever that may be, are so much more resilient to some of these ups and downs of life. And it makes it easier to show up even when it's rough because you're doing it not just for the sense of you, but for something else, right? There's that like, an extra layer there's that that knowing that there's some kind of force that has got your back <laughs> and so I I love to bring that in but I will say that most of the time I don't have to do much to bring that in because it it's it's just that like you said it's an energetic exchange and you just sort of vibe with that really quickly and so yeah I I love both I love spirituality but I wouldn't feel comfortable operating solely in that realm. For me the science has to be a part of it because that's how I make sense of the world that I'm all for the I don't like to say woo woo but for lack of a better expression, right, I'm all for that but I need the the sciency part as well because when I know that there's there's reason behind it then I can surrender completely. So and again, I think we we tend to attract clients that reflect our inner landscape. So If I am across from a client who's totally anti spirituality, anti everything, then we're probably not going to be a match, you know? And then again, it comes down to not being afraid to say that because that container is, it's just not going to work because, and it's not that that's right or wrong, but if your way of seeing the world is so radically different you're going to spend so much time trying to meet that there will be other practitioners or mentors that will be better uh, able to support them in a framework that makes sense for them. Yeah, that makes
1: a lot of sense. And it goes back to what you said in the beginning of like, knowing that you're aligned with them, right? And knowing what clients are for you and what clients aren't for you. And what's that saying? It's like, the student will come when the teacher is ready or vice versa. The teacher will appear when the student is ready, you know? So it's kind of like, it, it, yeah, it's all divine timing. It, it all kind of energetically matches up when it should, you know? And I also am curious. So with, obviously every client is different. And like you said, it, it would get really boring really quickly if every client was the same. But how do you structure your sessions? Like in your containers, is it very like, Week one, we do this. Week two, we do that. Or is it kind of more fluid? Or is it a combination of both?
2: So it's a combination of both. It's uh, some nice masculine and some nice feminine coming together. <laughs> so in my twelve-week program, it's there is a structure: four weeks, four weeks, four weeks, roughly. But that's not to say that we don't, like we have the structure because we need to know where we're going again, because that's that's what I appreciate in a container that there's a plan, right? People come for a reason, they, they want a solution or at least to get closer to that solution. So having a roadmap, I find that creates trust and that then makes it easier to surrender so that if we're on session five and we're supposed to talk about X, but then something huge has just happened we're not going to ignore that we're going to flow with that. So there's there's flow within a structure. And then the other thing that I'm doing at the moment is is sort of a one-off breakthrough sessions just because I'm probably because of my background in advocacy, I'm really really passionate about accessibility and I'm aware that my other container is not accessible for for a lot of people. So these are much more affordable like 90-minute sessions where people can really get some some structure in terms of how to move forward and, and some breakthrough in terms of some of the stuff that's in their way. And with those there's this, it's, it's almost like a mini budget. Like there's a structure, but it very much depends on what people bring in. And so for my for my 12 week container that process of aligning and finding the right client match is quite I take my time to make sure that the client is right and that I'm for me and that I'm right for them whereas because it's such a long container but for the breakthrough sessions it's it's a little more informal it's just like rock and roll let's go let's see what comes up and and let's uh blow Mm -hmm. some holes in these walls that that clients are coming up against
1: that's awesome so great and I'm wondering too um we've talked a lot about like your offerings Mm -hmm. and and your work but what's like your personal life like right now like what are you ritualizing what are you exploring like what what's going on in the world of Christina.
2: <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> well, I'm exploring... So I'm exploring astrology, actually. So astrology has been... Uh, not practice in that way, but I remember pretty much being aware of astrology my whole life and finding it interesting. And, you know, back when you would have, like, magazines and stuff and that would always be, like, the horoscope in the back and... And I remember reading them and feeling like they didn't really fit, but I kind of felt some kind of attraction to it anyway. And my dad, who's very, very masculine, focused, very non spiritual, has always jerked around that that's. And I think as much as he would not want to admit it, like there is a bit of the astrology that actually tickles him some way. And it's funny Mm -hmm. because he's, when I think of astrology in my early days, I think of my dad, which is. Mm. yeah makes no sense but somehow it does (laughs) i don't know yeah it's just i think because he always used to he was the one who was like oh you're my little pisces you're so sensitive and then later on i've I've, i don't know i've just always had this attraction to astrology i guess is what i'm trying to say but not ever felt like it was it was a little bit in the hidden (laughs) And it was not something that I took seriously, but I felt that draw. And then in the last, like I had my first proper reading maybe seven years ago. And so I've been doing a couple of readings every year since then and felt so connected. And so like every time I do one, I'm like, why do I not do this more often? Because <laughs> it's, it's just such a blueprint. It's like, you've got shit going on. <laughs> you have somebody look at your chart and they're like, Totally able to explain to you, and you're like, "Oh, right, that makes sense yes. now." So, back to your question, what I'm curious about at the moment is actually educating myself a little bit more about my own natal chart and understanding enough to be able to not have to 100% rely on someone else to tell me why my life is crazy. <laughs> essentially, so I'm, so I'm I'm really into that in a I'm dabbling, and then I'm doing a training which is mm. so juicy. It's a, so it's, it's beautiful woman, Desi, Sensual Somatics, I think is her Instagram, but she does this embodied sensuality, trauma-informed facilitator training, which is just, it's 12 weeks and I'm on week, I think this is week four mm. and it's just incredible. And it's taking me a layer deeper with my own healing and also with what I can offer To my clients and to my community because in my own experience i have definitely got all the knowledge from an academic point of view around trauma and stress and anxiety and a dysregulated nervous system but for myself my own healing really only started for real when i understood that you cannot heal a trauma without bringing the body in like you just forget it there's so much trauma stored in the body and so although I've been aware that I felt like there was a discrepancy between my understanding of it and actually like how to, so I'm I'm really loving exploring that, how movement can be so healing in a way that probably not much else, at least for me, has been. So I'm, I'm really, I'm really vibing with that too as well. I love that. I love it.
0: My God, you are talking to the right people, astrology and somatics, and you've got Chelsea and Alyssa. I was just about to say you're merging Chelsea and I and just putting us into your
1: heart and soul. And so I love that so much. Chelsea and I are like staring at
0: each other like, yep, 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 yep. Yep. (laughs) Christina's perfect. Aligned, aligned, aligned. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 And I feel like, I mean, astrology at least like makes perfect sense I feel like talking to you and knowing you have like such the scientific mind right like you went to grad school like you did your you know like you're very in that mindset but then also you're talking about spirituality and merging the two I feel like that's astrology people forget that it's rooted
2: in science a lot of times yes oh my goodness yes and I guess so and it's especially I have some beautiful brother but like male friends who I love and adore but they're not all the most open-minded mm-hmm. <laughs> and if one of them in particular will be like but a like he will say about oh, astro- astrology is not a science like everybody knows that and I I'm just I don't fall for it anymore I just smile and move <laughs> on because yeah you know but it's I don't really care if people call it so that to me it's just spot on every single time and every time I delve in deeper it's like, whoa, (laughs) because when I think of myself maybe five years ago, I didn't know what I know now about my own chat or even about astrology besides like, oh, my sun sign is Pisces and that means I'm sensitive. But I always felt like, yeah, but that's just one aspect of me. There's all these other sides that don't necessarily fit into the Piscean energy. And then it's like, oh, but there's a moon sign and there's like the rising and there's, you know, all these other things that just like an MC line. I didn't know what that was. Now I'm like, oh, (laughs) a lot of stuff is making sense. I'm like, Leo Capricorn. Yeah, yeah, it's making sense. (laughs) I love
0: that. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I say it all the time. People who are listening to like all our episodes are probably like, Chelsea, stop saying this. (laughs) Like, shut up. But like, it's really true. Like, I feel like I, Alyssa and I did astrology for fun to start. Mm -hmm. Alyssa's the one who kind of like introduced me to the school that we went to. And I mean, I fell in love with it, but I still have always, to this day, I'm still like, I don't know if I believe it, but I've certainly like never run into a chart that somebody didn't agree with. Like I'm doing all these readings. We talked to so many people on this podcast and I come into it with like a healthy, I like to think a healthy skepticism, but I've never been proved wrong. I've never had a conversation where somebody's like, no, 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 not me, not me. It's always like, oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> or even sometimes it's like there's resistance there and you're like, no, no, no. that, And then you go home and you reflect, oh, yeah. no, yes. that's me, damn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful tour and the, I don't know, for me, I've always been very into like the old, back in the day, you know, like as a kid, I was, God, I was a strange kid, but I really loved reading about like the ancient, like the classics, You know, ancient Greece, mm-hmm. ancient Rome, <laughs> Egypt, don't even get me started. <laughs> <laughs> it's, there's something about knowing that some of the wisdom that we use today comes from those guys mm-hmm. like you know it brings us together and it makes me feel like the world is connected because we think of the past as being oh it's so long ago but in the grand scheme of things it really is not that long ago and it, there's some I don't know it's a really familiar sense or it's a really it gives solace somehow I don't know it's it's weird but I I enjoy feeling that connection. It's like, you mm-hmm. know, modern day and age where we think we know everything. There are still some old dudes who can teach us a thing or two <laughs> if we just, you know, set the ego aside mm-hmm. and listen. Mm-hmm.
1: And th- the same thing with somatics too. Like a lot of what somatics is, is how our ancient ancestors used to navigate life, right? Like a very simple and basic somatic practice is shaking because we look at wild animals they still shake when they're under stress or experiencing trauma and then they don't store that trauma in their body anymore but as modern humans we're not shaken anywhere we're not we're just like you don't see that happening but we should see it happen more often and i think you're absolutely right like if we just look back to ancient times there's so much wisdom that's there that we can still apply to modern life and not go backwards right it's just reconnecting to our like primal energy and primal bodies and yeah, it's all science at the end of
2: the day. Yeah, it's true. If you go far enough back and that's, I mean, that that's the source of, I think, everything that I do, at least in theory, is that women find that source of power inside of themselves that's been hidden away for millennia. But if you go back far enough, all indications show that society was actually matriarchal right? And, and it was such a different structure. And because of course I doubt, like we all doubt, right? Especially when you're like, oh, I'm going to go and create this thing. And I don't know if it makes sense to anyone else but me, but I have those moments. I just think back to my why, like why the, the question of why are women weaker than men? And how far do we have to go back to that, not to be the truth anymore? And can we go back there and really sit with what it meant to be a woman? And that's when all these practices re right? Like shaking, primal screaming, all the things, like the community that is just unparalleled when it comes to healing,
1: mm-hmm.
2: in my opinion, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. agree. hundred percent.
1: hundred thousand percent.
0: Yeah. And that kind of reminds me of something you said earlier and then we skipped over it, but something that you said that I thought was so beautiful is how you're merging like your wild woman and your more like business side. I kind of forget how you worded it exactly, but I think it's so important because, you know, I think more and more women are owning their own companies and businesses and doing their own thing and sort of stepping out of like the capitalistic side of things that we've always been taught. Right. And it's like, we've always been taught there's one way to run a business and you have to do X, Y, Z. And I think it's just, it's been so amazing. Like talking to so many women who are like, I'm going to turn that on its head. And I want it to be, you know, I want it to be on my terms and not these terms that some men decided. 100, you know, I don't know how long ago, but I think it's just so beautiful to like watch people step out of that and be like, no, I'm going to own it and I'm going to do it my own way and then still be
2: successful. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And I think the important, not, it's not like a caveat, but what feels important for me to say is, I 100% consider myself a feminist, but that does not mean that I hate men. It does not mean that it's like us against them because a lot of the time Mm -hmm. that's what happens is it becomes so polarized into men and women, us and them. And that's not the point. The point is, yeah, sure. The proportion of men who've done horrible things to women over the course of history, yeah, it's pretty high. But first of all, the masculine has also suffered Mm -hmm. at the hands of Mm patriarchy right like the strong stoic like soul hero on his own journey like that's that's a lot of wounding there and there's some beautiful men doing this work my experience is being a woman so that's what i focus on because that's what i know so for a long time i had a lot of wounding around my masculine and then and around my feminine and so i sort of had to choose and and i started out by healing the feminine and now because i've done and i'm by no means done because if you do the work you know the work's never done but i've done enough healing of the feminine that i've begun to feel a desire to invite the masculine back in in myself but also in the human beings around me you know and making beautiful safe connections with conscious men who are doing the work who are not just here to objectify and sexualize us because for me that's that's been a really big wounding it's is feeling unsafe around the masculine, feeling like if he's being nice to me, it's because he wants something from me. And it's so beautiful when you begin to release that from a place of more or less stability in your own masculine and feminine and then let, or in your own feminine and then letting the masculine in. And I think that that's the next step of healing that we have to come together at some point. We have to create communities where we can have these conversations because one of the fundamental aspects of healing trauma is being seen and witnessed. And if possible, having the ability to forgive and have compassion. So I feel like both sides carry a lot of wounding and there's a lot of misunderstanding. And when we come together and have these conversations and I can say to a a man, like I had a conversation with a friend a few months ago about this, where I was feeling really triggered by something he said, because I immediately expected the old pattern. And I felt myself getting very defensive, like shutting that shit down. I'm not having it. And then I had to go away and reflect and realize, but that's not where he's coming from. He's not the men that I've had these experiences with before. And actually being able to go back to him and say, look, This is why I reacted that way. I felt this really strong trigger. I felt that you were going to behave in a certain way. And I'm telling you this because I trust that you will hold that. And him going, oh my God, thank you so much for sharing. And I appreciate it. And I probably have treated women like that in the past, but that really wasn't my intention. That was just Mm. like, right? Because a lot of the time, and I'm sure you can both relate, you're in situations where you have that there's something uncomfortable and you're being expected to hold it because you don't want to wound anyone's ego, you don't want to be told that you're being conceited, you know, all the stuff that can come from that wounded male ego, right? And I've definitely spent a lot of my time in my life not wanting the attention that I was getting, but at the same so feeling responsible for trying to kind of deflect and then when confronted, then not knowing how to set a boundary without like, oh, but I don't want to upset you rather than saying, fuck, you know, like this is your issue. It's not my issue. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's just something that's that's on my mind at the moment is creating those conversations in a safe space is the next level mm-hmm. somehow.
1: Mm-hmm. No, and that's beautifully said. I am going through something similar at the current time. And it's kind of like how I feel like I've been trained since a young girl to just hold it and not say anything and not speak my mind and use my voice and and that's a big part of like reclaiming your feminine energy is like reclaiming your voice and like you said it's finding the balance of the masculine and feminine right it's not it's not just being all in one or all in the other it's like how do we be fluid within both of them to really stand up for it and Say this is not mine to carry, this is not mine to hold. And and it sounds like you did that beautifully with your friend, where they were able to receive it and not, you're not then putting it back on them, right? You're just saying, Hey, this is actually yours. Like I'd like you to take it back now, right? Like it's not just like, no, take it, take it, right? Like it's it's a gentle thing. It's it's a a friendly
2: conversation. Yeah. And I, I think when we can at least what doing the work to me has meant is realizing that that sensitivity and vulnerability is a superpower. Mm. And I truly think it is because we can't connect with people at a deeper level if we're not willing to be vulnerable. And that's so freaking scary. Like, oof, you know, like vulnerability. And again, I think a lot of women feel this way and men for that matter. But when you've grown up as a very sensitive child and that's felt difficult, then at least in my case, I then went into the other, like very masculine, very like masks upon masks upon masks. And nobody is going to see me cry or nobody's going to see me sweat. And when you begin to peel off those layers and you realize that, yeah, it's hard to be vulnerable. But if you can own that vulnerability and say, look, this is how I feel, regardless of how you react, then you've kind of already you're already ahead because then the outcome of the conversation is not the determining factor. It's how you feel with the boundary that you've set. And then it's like you say, then it's somebody else's issue to deal with if they don't know how to handle that. But if you have that vulnerability, I think it also means that you don't come in. Like I used to go into a situation like this, extremely confrontational because that's a defense, right? And that means that the other person is going to receive it like, whoa, Rather than going into it and being humble and saying, "Look, this is this is how it made me feel," and for me, for like such a long time in my life, that this is how it made me feel was like, "Oh, <laughs> I didn't," <laughs> because I was so used to being told that I was just feeling mm-hmm. too much and I was such a drama. So I spent a really long time being the cool girl, you know, who was like never making drama, who's just like whatever. And it's so much cooler to be vulnerable. Once you do it and then you have people respond from a place of respect. I mean, I'm not saying go and be vulnerable with everyone, be discerning, right? But when you do, you just realize that you take that relationship, whether it's friendship or something, you know, the relationship between you and another human being, you take that to another level when you are willing to go there. But I don't think you can go there truly unless you've done that work for yourself. Because then you're always going to be being vulnerable because you want them to come and save you because you want them to tell you that they're so, like whatever it is. Whereas if you've done the work, you know who you are, then vulnerability is just a way of meeting someone else. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Yeah. Thank you for that. It's so important for people to hear that. And and just know, like like you said, it's it's a process. It doesn't just happen, right? Like you have to practice maintaining that and and using your voice and discerning when it's time to do that. So I know we already kind of asked about curiosity, but any other things that you're curious about, any things, any practices to keep yourself curious? I mean, I think by nature you're a very curious person, which is awesome.
2: I don't think that I really need, and this is not me trying to flex. It's just, I have the opposite (laughs) problem. I think I'm too curious. Like when people tell me that they get bored, like I think I can remember a handful of times in my life that I've been bored. I just don't have the time to get bored because there's always like another book to read or another bit of education to do or like a documentary to watch yes. or a, a walk that I want to try, you know? So I'm always, it's not that I'm consciously seeking. I think it just happens. So really my practice is, is the other way. It's to try and bring it back and be like, okay, I've got an hour and there's, seven different things that I could do with that hour. Which one do I choose? You know? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So what I'm doing in, in that now is because actually they used to paralyze me. Then I would be so unsure which one to do that I would end up doing nothing <laughs> and just sit there and like stew in it. So now I try to always ask myself which of those ones are going to serve me the best in like, 12 months from now, when I look back, which one of those am I going to be the most proud of myself for doing? And then sometimes I just say, fuck it. And I watch Netflix for half a day. (laughs) I mean, that's just as important, (laughs) right? You know what? I actually watched something recently where they were saying that the brain needs, so you know when you're watching something and you're kind of on your phone at the same time and you're not paying attention to either. And I was just to think that that was really bad, but I watched this documentary about focus And apparently our brain needs that because we need periods of the day when we are focused on more than one thing, because it means we're focused on nothing. And I was just like, (laughs) wow, I thought that was so interesting. That is, I never, what documentary was that? Is it called, like, is it maybe the Explained one? Okay, yes, on Netflix. It's like, I think it's a series and it's called Explained maybe. And it's one of them is called Focus and it's just 20 minutes, but it's so interesting it's you know and they do these experiments where you have to watch people running and then there's this gorilla oh yeah yes like,
1: like, yeah yeah and like you don't notice the gorilla or some like in some situations you don't yeah it's super super interesting my fiance loves those explained on netflix he will have to watch that one tonight that's awesome
2: yeah i, I just thought i was like oof. so whenever people i mean Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Netflix is necessarily a healthy part of your staple, like everyday entertainment, but I just, it kind of irks me when I hear people making others feel bad for the way that they choose to regulate. Mm. Uh, Yes, I'm a spiritual person. Yes, I'm a scientific person. I'm an ambitious person. I'm a curious person, but it doesn't mean like we're so multifaceted and I'm so tired of seeing in this space of healing and self-development, especially in the spiritual space that it's like, there's a lot of guilt tripping going on if you're not subscribing to the exact right way of practicing. And yeah, sometimes going and doing a full moon ritual is going to serve you. But other times, if your body doesn't feel like it, why are we pushing ourselves to do it just because? Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of the purpose.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. agree 100% feel like I agree with everything you say. <laughs> so yeah, <That's> <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> very well
2: said. It's great. Yeah. So mm-hmm. where can everyone find you? So I'm still a little old school. I don't have all the different TikToks. That's and so stuff. Good. I mostly hang out on Instagram. So it's at I Christina Louise, and then my website, which is christinelouise.com. But yeah, come hang out on Instagram. That's why I spend most of my time I'm really big on creating community this year and so I'm really trying to create a community that's more than just oh I'm like a thousand other coaches and I want to sell you something it's more a, a space where women can come and feel a sense of resonance and feel like someone speaking perhaps the things that they don't know how to speak or that they don't have words for and where they can express some of those things because there's you know we, we need to to purge it, I feel, and to uh, to gather because ultimately, if there's a collective wound, you can't heal a collective wound in isolation. We have to heal it in community. Mm, Beautiful said.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: Thank you. And we'll definitely link everything below,
1: but this has been such a great conversation and we appreciate your time and your energy and your wisdom and We're definitely going to have to have a part two at some point as well, (laughs) bring you back on (laughs) continue the convo, but thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you. This episode was so fun. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to rate and subscribe. And we love connecting with you all over on Instagram at the moon in your mind. Send us a DM and let us know what you think. Sending love to you all.